Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're exploring the book of 1 John and learning how to walk in light, walk in love. Now let's join Kurt for today's episode. And welcome back, friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Uh, so glad that you're with us, and obviously, if you're watching today, you're seeing that we have a brand new uh, participant in Everyday Truth, but really not a new participant. Josh, it's been a while. Yeah, it's it's been, um, I don't know, several months, but I'm glad to be back. So Josh is one of our fellow pastors here at Faith. Uh, he and I work together. Our offices are right across the hall from each other. And uh, I always enjoy spending time with Josh and just learning the Bible together. Uh, pray for John. Uh, he is having a little bit of a, an episode with one of his eyes. A detached retina has had some surgery. And so pray for him if you would. Uh, but uh, he has uh, he's graciously set up the, the, the studio for us today. So he's still involved, albeit behind the scenes. And he, he's going to come back here uh, sometime soon. Uh, but for now, we're in 1 John chapter 2. So if you want to find your place there in your, in your own Bible, uh, the book of 1 John is such a tremendous book. Um, Josh, I, I meant to ask you this before uh, the podcast. Have you ever taught through or, or gone through the book of 1 John? Yeah, I actually have. So just before I, we, we started podcasting, I pulled out my old notes to uh, review them. So yeah, I've, I've been through it before, yeah. And that's the thing about pulling out old notes, because I've done the same thing. <laughs> right. You pull out your old notes, and you're like, what was I thinking? I actually read one of the things, and I thought, yeah, I'm not saying that, because yeah. that, I, don't, I don't believe that. It's I don't true. know if I believe that anymore. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. yeah. So the Bible can mess up some of our best messages, <laughs> right, right? But uh, we'll, we'll we'll try to we'll try to speak the truth insofar that we know it. Um, in chapter one, as you recall, we talked about the fact that fellowship is important to God, and when we talk about fellowship, we talk about fellowship with God, and then the fellowship that we can have with each other. And it's impossible to have Christian fellowship without having fellowship with God. So, what does it mean to have fellowship with God? It means, obviously, first of all, to have a relationship with Jesus. And then, in order to culture a healthy relationship with Jesus, we want to be walking in the light. So, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, Josh, but when I talk about walking in the light, you know, what does that speak to you? Yeah, I think that, you know, even in chapter two, as we'll talk about abiding in Christ, walking in the light would be really serving Him and, and living a, a life that is in service to. Uh, to, to Christ and to giving our, our life to Him, uh, choosing to walk in, in the light rather than walking in the darkness, we, as, as we see in chapter 2. Yeah, for sure. And, and we can even talk about in this book, because there, there's a very famous verse that I think we've all quoted and used, and it's found in chapter 5 and verse 13. Mm -hmm. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. So what were the things that John wrote whereby they could have confidence that they were saved? Right. It wasn't that one verse. Right. Right. It was the entire All book. Yeah. So when you think about the entire book of 1 John, really you think about three major themes. You think about we can know that we're saved. We have evidence of our salvation in our walk with God, mm -hmm. our walking in the light. That's chapter 1 and really throughout the book. We can, we can have confidence in our bona fide salvation as we walk in love, mm -hmm. a love for God that evidences itself 
in our love for others. And then we can have confidence that we walk with God uh, when we when we believe the right thing. So there's a doctrinal side of it yeah. too. Yeah. So there's a moral side of it. Sure. That's chapter one. There's a practical side of it. Mm-hmm. That's loving each other. And then there's a doctrinal side of it that we'll talk about in uh, some episodes that will be upcoming. So today we are making the transition from walking in the light and admitting in that light that sometimes that light shines upon our practical living. Yeah. And if we say that we have no sin, we're, right. we're living in self-delusion. Yes. Uh, we're lying. We're making God a liar. So when we do sin, uh, we ought to admit to God yeah. that our sin is as bad as he says it is. Right, right. Yeah, and, and you see that in chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And really, that is the key, is understanding that even though we are, obviously, I, I'm sure you guys have talked about, First John being written to Christians, you know, so, so even though we are saved, we still have that fleshly sin nature um, that still needs to, to, to be kept in check um, and, and to get forgiveness when we do choose to sin. So we have this, we kind of have this back and forth that we're supposed to walk in the light, but as believers, do we ultimately always walk in the light? No. So when we are not walking in the light or when that light exposes right. uh, those pot- parts of our lives that, that are inconsistent with fellowship with God, that expose our sins, we admit it, uh, we confess that to the Lord. And the Bible says in verse number, well, look at the end of chapter one. So if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. His word is not in us. And now chapter two and verse one is where we are today. My little children... These things write I unto you, that ye sin not. So, very interesting to me, Josh, that John is careful to clarify, mm-hmm. to qualify. Okay, I just told you that if you sin and admit it to the Lord, He's going to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So, I think the clarification then is, well, if that be the case, yes, yeah. if we kind of have this sin credit card, mm-hmm. you know, oh, wow, you mean I can just confess it and I'm going to be forgiven? So why wouldn't I just sin? Right, right. Which is a very carnal way to look at it. And I think chapter 2 and verse 1 immediately uh, squashes that argument. Yeah, that's clearly what John is attempting to do here is... To, to, to set the standard, set the precedent, that this is not a license to sin. This is not a license to live however you want to live. It's not a license to take advantage of God's grace and mercy that he has extended to you. But I'm, I'm telling you these things so that you don't sin, so that you live a lifestyle that is not characterized by sin. And it, it, it's the larger context, and we've been talking about it on Sunday mornings at our church, of grace. You know, what, what is the purpose of God's grace in your life? Did God give us grace so that we have a license to sin? No, that, that's not what grace does. Grace teaches us that we ought to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. And, and grace instructs us to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. And not only does it instruct us to do that, it empowers us yeah, yeah. to do that. So when the Bible says in chapter 2 and verse 1... My little children, these things write unto, I unto you, that ye sin not. So a major reason why John wrote to uh, the, the readership here was to say, listen, 
God wants you to live a life of purity. He wants you to live a life consistent with the life of Jesus, uh, the life that is now yours in Christ. And so this is not a license to sin, and this is not a legalistic approach to Christian living. Like, okay, now I'm going to give you a new set of laws. No, this is you have the living Christ within you. Mm -hmm. You have the very Spirit of God. You have the wherewithal by which you can live in victory over sin. Yeah, I think that really is the point, is that this is, a, this is, this is not me giving you or God giving you a license to sin, but this is a letter that is written to you so that you understand that you don't have to sin, that God has given you the victory over sin. Before you were saved, you were slaves to sin. You, you, you lived in that, that lifestyle. That was who you were defined as. And now, no longer is that your identity. You have been uh, reborn. You have been remade. You are a new creature in Jesus Christ. And so, therefore, don't sin. Mm. But then he, he continues on in verse number one. And that's what I want to show, yeah. because it's not just that you sin not, but then the Bible says, look at this, and. So the conjunction is important. So I wrote this to you that you would sin not, and if any man sin. So that's the interplay that we've seen in chapter one. We're seeing it again now in chapter two, and that is don't sin. Do not sin. Live a life of righteousness. Live a life walking in the light. Live a life where you're doing what's right by God's standards. But then the caveat is, but you're not going to. Not, not entirely perfectly. And as believers, we certainly ought to be sinning less as we grow in grace, but we're never going to be sinless. See the difference there? So the Bible says, so and if any man sin, and the point is we will, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And honestly, Josh, this is one of the most heartwarming verses I know of in all the Word of God, that when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So when I say the word advocate, you know, what synonym comes to your mind? Yeah, immediately I think of lawyer. We have a defense lawyer, a defense attorney, somebody that's standing in for us and arguing for us. Um, but the interesting thing about Jesus being our advocate, our, our attorney that's, that's arguing for us is, you know, when, when I think of an attorney arguing uh, in a courtroom, he's arguing that his client is innocent. You know, Jesus is not necessarily arguing that we are innocent. Jesus is arguing they're guilty. But I have paid their penalty. I've already paid the debt. For yeah. Their, now think for about think about that. If if we were if if you were taken to court today, right. and your defense attorney got up and yes. in his opening arguments he said to the judge, "Now, judge, I just want you to know that my client is guilty." Right. right. You'd yeah. say that's the worst <laughs> defense the attorney of all right. time. But then for that defense attorney to say, "But yes. I am willing mm. to take the place of, and I have paid the price of." Right. Well, that changes the argument yeah, altogether. Absolutely, because and that's exactly what Jesus has done. You know, obviously, we know and understand that Christ died on the cross for the sins of the whole world, and we'll see John even talk about that a little bit later. Lenski has an, an uh, unbelievable commentary on First John, and in it, he talks about the ancient um, uh, the, the 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 ancient man Demosthenes, who mentioned that it was common in Greek culture. For the advocate, this word advocate, it was common for the advocate to be a dear friend mm. of the accused, mm. who would be willing to come alongside of the accused person and say, you know, I, I'm going to I'm going to stand in his place. Yeah. 
So the the word is just rich with meaning. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And when you when you get that picture of it, it really shows us what Christ has actually done for us. So why why is Jesus then an effective advocate? So it's one thing to say, hey, this person's guilty. It's quite another thing to say, but that guilt has been absolved. How? Well, the Bible tells us how. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So what does that tell me about Jesus? That tells me that Jesus is the fulfiller of all of the righteous demands of God that that I could not fulfill, that no man has ever fulfilled. So it's because of his righteous nature, it's because of his righteous fulfillment of the law that I have hope. Because he identified with me in my sinfulness, he allows me to identify with him and his righteousness. Yeah, yeah, and I, and when you think about Jesus and his his coming to the earth as a man, and yet 100% God, 100% man, he he is the only satisfaction of that. He is the only only person, only only God that could have taken care of of our our sins because mm. he felt the 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 temptations that we deal with he felt the emotions that we deal with mm. and yet he did all of that in his entire life without sin so at at the moment of your and this is really a misnomer by saying it this way but I'm going to say it because it's the way we speak at the moment of your salvation you know when you came under conviction for your sin when you realized that Jesus Christ was your only hope mm-hmm. and when you trusted him so for you, Josh, that was when? Yeah, when I was four. Okay, so as it just as, and which is very common yeah. Uh, yeah. to be very, very young in a Christian home to come. Sure. You know, so at that moment that you trusted Jesus Christ as your soul's hope, the Bible says you were justified. So you were declared to be righteous. Now think about that. You were declared to be righteous. So the righteousness that is yours positionally at the moment of your salvation, the moment of your repentance and investment of faith in Christ, that, that's a gift righteousness. Mm-hmm. It's not your righteousness, right, right. but it's the righteousness of Jesus. Jesus the righteous, his identity becomes yours. Yeah. Man, that is, I can't think of anything more encouraging than that. Yeah, yeah, that's, and that's huge in a world that so struggles with that word that you just used, identity, mm-hmm. and understanding who we are and trying to figure out who we are in this world. It's such a big thing uh, these days. But as a Christian, when I understand and know that my identity rests completely and solely in Christ and in his righteousness and what he has done for me has taken care of all of my sins and all of my unworth, un- <laughs> excuse me, unworthiness that we see in Scripture... Uh, you really, want you really want a sip you want a sip of my <laughs> yeah. got some water here so, okay uh, so he, here's the thing okay I have my museum of the Bible mug right here uh, which by the way if you ever are in DC you have to go to the museum amazing. of the Bible yeah. it, it's amazing but in the spirit of full disclosure inside of the museum of the Bible mug today of which you can see I am a member uh, is Diet Pepsi. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the inside of the cup that matters. And I, I'm, anyway, I just, <laughs> I wanted you to know that. Hey, the bottom line is this, my friends. Jesus Christ became you. He became sin for us who knew no sin. That we 
might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus became us so that we could become him by way of our record. What, what an encouraging thought today. I know we didn't get far uh, this episode, but 1 John is not a book that, that you want to be in that left-hand HOV lane going 75 miles an hour. You know, 1 John is a book that you want to just take your time, let it sink in. These are great doctrinal truths that ought to not just invade our thinking, but these are great doctrinal truths that ought to just permeate our heart of love and service to God. So I do hope this helps. I appreciate you joining us today. Looking forward to jumping into verse two. Next episode, God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If Everyday Truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.